Glory to God. Well, you know, there's a little bit of correction there, obviously, and, you know, I know that it can be uncomfortable, but here's the thing. The truth is, silence is not something that's okay with the Lord. And if, you're, uh, if you don't like praising, you're not going to like heaven because that's what they do around the throne of God. And so if we, want, if we truly want heaven on earth, we need to get good at praising. And praising happens by opening your mouth and letting some words come out. Amen? And I know that that's a thing, but I can just tell you that as a, as a minister, one of the things that I've learned is, is, is that there, there is a, a, a wall, and it's easier to pick up in a church uh, where, where there's not as many people. But there's a wall, and when you, when you come in with a wall, there's a wall that's there preaching as well. And it, it's almost something in the spirit that you can feel. It's like you want to break through it. You want to break through it, and, and, and you, you, you want to like force yourself through it because you understand uh, the, 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 the pushback that it's going to be. But see, this is, how, uh, this is how we get through things in life. This is how we overcome, is we overcome through our faith. Amen? Uh, we overcome by our faith, and our faith is expressed on our lips. You know, uh, of course, I, I think about Mark eleven twenty three, and Jesus was speaking about, uh, you know, uh, the, the moving the mountain, the mountain that's before us. And he said, you'll have whatever you say. When he's speaking about the mountain, he says, you'll have what you say. Right. It's not what you hope for, not what you think that you should have, but what you say. And so if you want God, if you want the goodness of God flowing in your life, one of the first places that you're going to do that. Uh, is, is by, by speaking about his goodness. And that's what praise is. You know, people think that praise and worship is just that we get in here and sing songs and stuff like that. And those things help us to enter in. Those things help us put our, our hearts and our minds in the right place. But, you know, those things, uh, uh, really, praise and worship is a thing that comes out of the heart. Amen. And so that's that's why we, we talk about it. And perhaps that's another thing I'll be preaching on in the future, because that's that's something that we need to break through here. Uh, you know, uh, it's something that we need to break into. Amen. It needs to be more than just uh, one or two people uh, doing it. And it's not a matter of, you know, it's not praising me because it's not nothing has nothing to do with me. Amen. But uh, I'm, I'm put here to do a, a thing. And, and, and that's what I got to do is as uncomfortable as that can be at times. Praise the Lord. You know, we you know, I talk about that when we we talk about like asking for money and stuff like that but that's just if I don't do it then the stuff just doesn't get done you know all the churches that I ever known that have been planted I've never saw uh, a government that has stepped up to say hey let us pay for it and I've never seen people in the streets coming in uh, by and large to say hey let let me do the work of the Lord amen but it's always people it's always the people in the seats and you know and, and the thing is is that God showed me this a long time ago that with anything with the church whatever we're called to do that God has equipped the people that are there so even if we were two people but God has called us to do it we can do whatever God's equipped us to do whatever he's told us to do and that's a wonderful thing but it takes the faith of people let's go uh, turn to Hebrews and I wasn't planning on this and hopefully we'll get into the message but turn to Hebrews 11:6 you know I know it's a scripture we're not unfamiliar with around here but it does help us amen <clears throat> praise God it says here, uh, and without faith it is impossible to please him. So we see without, without faith it's an absolute impossibility to please God. Amen. Amen. That's what it says. It says it's impossible to please him. Uh, saying it's impossible to please him is the same as saying it's absolutely, you, you would be un absolutely unable to do so. 
Because if it's impossible, uh, uh, you can't please him with that. Amen? And so uh, the impossibility is, uh, is uh, the impossibility to do so comes from our actions. Faith is always an action. Faith without works is dead, James tells us. And so we understand that faith that is not employed is not active faith. And so we can't say or claim that we're people of faith and not employing it in anything. And what is faith? Faith is, is uh, uh, you know, if we back up a couple verses and go to verse 1, faith is, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? So faith is the evidence and things you don't see. So you can say you have faith, but faith is proven generally, actually not generally, faith is proven in the trial. Faith is proven when there's not enough. Faith, faith is proven when everything is against you. You know, there's a lot of things that have come against us to stop this work. There's a lot of things that have come against us over the years to stop this church. And there was before when we were in Mayville, there was a lot of things that would come against us. And still today, there's things that raise up. And, and you know, it's interesting to me that every single person who has ever been attached to this church or started being faithful to this church has started getting certain attacks. And those attacks sometimes come in ways, and, and sometimes I've even heard people say to, say to me, I even knew that we were going to have the attack. But then when I got under the attack, it was even more than I thought. And I understand that wholeheartedly because, you know, when, when you get a direction of God, it can seem really easy to just go out and do it. You know, when you know that you know that you know that God has told you something, well, by God, you're just going to be, you're, you're going to be the next Elijah. You're going to be the next Moses. You're just going to lead God's people right through the, right through the wilderness, you know. But you remember, uh, you know, if you think back about uh, the, you know, when Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, of course, God did so in a miraculous way. But we also see a place where we see Moses' frustration because the people that God gave him weren't always going to, they, they weren't always going to go easy. Amen. And sometimes things were going to come against them and raise up. They were going to do things. They, you know, God sent them manna and they complained about manna. So then God sent them snakes. Yeah. Amen. I said, God sent them manna. They complained about manna because it wasn't what they wanted. And so God sent them snakes. And see, if we're going to be people of faith, we're going to have to learn to do so the way faith is put. Faith is meant to, to build us. Trial is meant to work for us. I said trial is meant to work for us. And what I mean by that is not that God sends all the trial, but God will take all trials and make them work out for us if we will be in faith. If we will love God. If we will stay in his vein. If we say, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to go backwards. And, and I don't know about you, I don't know how bad your past has been, but I know how bad my past was. And my, bad, my past was just bad enough to let me know no matter what's going on in the future, I don't want to go back to it. And I know that the direction that I'm on, the direction that I'm headed is the future. And so whatever comes against that is okay because I know I'm not going back there. There's nothing you could do that would bring me back to my past. There's nothing, there's nothing you could say that would entice me to want to go back there because there was nothing good there. Now, maybe you had a past that wasn't so bad and you're looking at the trials of the future and you think, well, I don't know if I want to go on to the future. Maybe I'll go back to the past. Well, then, folks, you need to go and spend a little more time in your past and let it get real bad because that's exactly what it will do. But see, we can go forward in a certain way. We can go forward going backward or looking backwards keeping our eyes on what was, what could have been, what should have been, all the stuff that has come against us. Or we can go forward looking forward into the things that God has promised us. Now, if we're going to go forward looking into the things that God has promised us, it's going to take us this little thing called faith. 
we're not going to get there unless we apply faith to it. And again, faith without works is dead. If we don't have any works, we have no faith. So if we need faith, and faith is the only way that we can win, uh, the Bible tells us that this is the victory that has overcome even our faith. And so if we're going to overcome, we're only going to overcome one way. You're not going to overcome by me telling you uh, they're there. You're not going to overcome by me telling you, well, it's just you just do everything you did before. You're going to only overcome when you learn faith. Faith is, uh, faith is the assurance. I said faith is the assurance. Faith is the assurance. Glory to God. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Things hoped for are the, the expectation of the things that are in your heart. The things that you want to see. The things that the Bible promised. Don't you look into the word. What, what drew you to the word? When you looked at the word one time or you heard the word preached or you heard somebody give you a scripture and you looked at that scripture and that scripture did something to you. You know, if you're saved, I think everybody that's sitting here today is saved. If you're saved, you had hope. You had expectation that the scripture that you looked at at one time could come to pass. And somehow, no matter what happened in your life, no matter what is raised up against you, that God could still make a way for you to get to him. You had hope. And so when you grabbed on to that hope, you ran with that expectation. And that's exactly what faith is. And so as we read it there, we, we can understand faith. But you understand that faith doesn't stop there. Amen. I said faith does not stop there. Go ahead and turn with me uh, to, to Romans. Praise the Lord. This is not tonight's message, so I don't have a title for it. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let's see where I want to start. We're in Romans 10. Okay. Speaking about Israel, let's start in verse 1. Speaking about Israel, it says, Your brethren, uh, the Israelites, my, my, my heart's desire, this is Paul talking to the Romans, my heart desire uh, and my prayer to God for them, for Israel, is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they, have, that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Amen? And so we see here, you know, and I, I want to I remind you of something about Scripture. Nothing in here was written to us. Not specifically. When, when Paul was writing this to the Romans, he knew that he was doing something special, but he wasn't writing it to you sitting there because he couldn't see you. He had no idea. Now, the Bible says for the joy that was set before him, Jesus could, could visualize you probably. I, I'm just assuming that he probably could. Did he think about each and every single one of us uh, as he was on the cross? Probably not specifically each and every one of us, but thought about us more as a, as a group, all the people that would be saved. The Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Amen. And so uh, we, we understand that about Jesus for the joy that was set before him. He was looking into something in the future and, and expecting you. Of course, in heaven, he knew about you, but he didn't have access to, uh, he didn't know everything just the way God knew as he was here. There was things that he had to seek out. We see him doing that all through, all through his life, anything that talks about him. Uh, in fact, even when the woman of the, the issue of blood, they touched him, he turned around and said, who, who touched me? 
He knew somebody did, but he didn't know which one it was. And the disciples didn't know either, and so we see that. But, so Jesus wasn't all-knowing while he was on the earth. But he was yielded to the Holy Spirit. But at any rate, the, the Bible wasn't specifically written to you and I in the sense that, that, that uh, Paul was addressing exactly the things that are going on in our, our, our lives according to his knowledge. Okay, But we know that the Lord was using the words uh, 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 the, of anyone who wrote scripture. Uh, he was using those words with the purpose of the application coming down the pike to us. Amen? And so when we read this here, we are reading a letter that was written to somebody else, about somebody else, but there's a principle that we should take out of it. Amen? Brethren, my heart's desire... And my prayer to God for them, speaking of the Jews again, is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have, they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. And this is exactly what I was talking about when we started talking about praise and things like that. When we, were, we opened the service with, with you know, this uh, almost, almost like, not almost, it was a rebuke. It was a rebuke for the people sitting in the seats. You got to step up the praise. And you, you, you got to learn how to practice this. See, not doing the things the Bible tells us, and this is exactly what I was talking about, is establishing your own righteous, righteousness. It's saying, I won't do it because I don't want to, I don't feel it, or whatever the reason is, but the Bible tells us to do so. So when we refuse to do something that the Bible tells us to do, what we are doing is we are usurping our righteousness or our idea of what we know, and we're putting it above the righteousness of God. God doesn't need us to praise him. He doesn't need us to give to him. He doesn't need us to do anything for him because he's God. God has desired to use us and he has desired to employ us, which and that's what my message was about. Amen. And maybe we'll get into some of it. I don't know. But God's desire is that he would employ us and thereby making us partakers of the divine nature, making us partakers of what he has. But we don't get there if we don't partake. That's all there is to it. And so the Jews were doing that. They were seeking, and, and see, we, we see that over and over. We, we think, well, if I was in the garden, I wouldn't have eaten it. Yes, you would have, because you do it every day. I said you do it every day. Praise God, we all do. So we can't sit there and say that we wouldn't. There's, there's times, one of the knowledge, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, had, I had so greatly desired was, was to stay away from deception because the Bible tells me to. And I've been deceived. I don't like deception. But you know what I thought, found? Uh, that even in a person who desires greatly to not be deceived, there's a lot of temptation to be deceived. Because things happen. The devil's sly, slick. He's tricky. He comes in the back door. Doesn't let you know he's coming in. He sneaks in and he starts, you know, he starts wafting his, a, a smell around or something to draw you in. Amen. And, and then what we do is we try to justify it by over-spiritualizing it. You know, I was thinking there was a man that, that came into this church once, not in this building, but in, when we were in, the, in, in, the, in, in the, the, the suites down there. There was a man who came in, and he was seeking to establish his own righteousness. He came in, he had a word for somebody. He was going to speak over somebody. And I said, well, we don't allow that here, basically, is, is the gist of it. And uh, make a long story short, uh, we ended up having a conversation with him. And he informed me about all kinds of things and, and how the Lord had led him out of church. 
And every time, almost every week, and probably because I drive by his house every single week on the way here, but every week on the way here, I think about this man, and, I, and, and it, that goes through my heart thinking about how deceived he is. Because the Bible clearly tells us that we are not to forsake the assembling together of the brethren. Clearly tells us. And so each and every time we forsake that, we are deciding that we, are, uh, we know more than God. Well, this, this man was led, as he said, by the Lord to specifically stop going to church and seek him on his own. And there's a whole lot of questions that come into, the, come into my, my, my heart, just from what I know of Scripture. Uh, just on the surface, there's a whole lot of things that come in. Well, how do you encourage one another if you're seeking God on your own? You can't do it. How are you building, help building the local church if you're not going to one? You're not doing it. How are, you, uh, how, how are you submitting yourself to the other brothers and sisters in Christ if you don't need to submit to anybody? You're not. How are you tithing? How are you, how are you activating that in your life? Because the Bible says to bring the tithe. It doesn't say send it. You can't mail it into some ministry somewhere. The tithe can only be brought to the local storehouse. You know, uh, praise the Lord, when Jesus... When, when, when Jesus went into the temple, he saw all kinds of things that were wrong. It was all these things that religious people thought that they could get away with and start doing. But he said it was wrong because that, that wasn't the heart of God. And so it's the same thing, you know, when you, when you do all that. And so why do I bring this all up? Because this idea of, of exalting ourselves in anything, even in a spiritual thing. There is nothing more spiritual than the word of God. I said nothing more spiritual than the Word of God. The Word of God does not change like God does not change. So his, 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 he doesn't make amendments in it for you. Because he didn't write it to you. So he isn't going to change it for you. Some people wouldn't like what I'm saying right now. He didn't write it for me? What do you mean he didn't write it to me? No, he wrote it for you, but he didn't write it to you. Amen? And so he isn't going to amend it for you either. It applies the way that it applies, and it applies the way that it always did. Right. Amen. Amen. For Christ is the end of the law uh, for righteousness to, to everyone who what? Believes. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Believes is faith. To everyone who has faith. Glory to God. Um. I went on the search this week about uh, trying to understand these words of in Christ. You know, because I, I see that often and in, 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 in a lot of times, you know, I even started writing this whole thing about it. But in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? And as I studied it out, what I came to is a very simple conclusion. In Christ simply means in faith in Christ. That's what it is. It's the same thing. And so one who believes, or one who continues in belief, uh, John 8, 31 and 32, we didn't get there, but we probably should go there. Uh, <clears throat> we'll go there in a minute. Let me finish what I was saying. We were talking about in Christ, but we were talking about uh, believing, and that's important. Uh, I want to get back into that, but I want to finish this because I want to get to where I wanted to go here before I move on to something else. Amen? For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law, shall be, live by that righteousness. But the righteousness, righteousness based on faith 
speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. <clears throat> the word of faith that they are preaching is in your heart and it's in your mouth. If it's in one but not the other, it's ineffective. Notice he said it's in your heart and in your mouth. That if you confess with your mouth, everybody say confess. If you confess with your mouth, that means to speak it. Uh, that G, uh, your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, now this is important, now when it says saved, uh, well go back to the other one, verse 9, <clears throat> praise God. See, when we say this, this, this salvation here, we, we automatically just think of salvation meaning that we go to heaven. But that is not all that salvation is. And we have to get ourselves beyond this thinking. We have to stop limiting what God's salvation is. God's salvation does not only apply to getting us into heaven. That is one small aspect of it. But God has a life of salvation that we are supposed to live. And that life of salvation is what is supposed to reach other people. It's that life of salvation that draws others in. Why do people want to get where you're at? They don't want to just come. Uh, if you go up to someone on the street and you say, hey, you need to worship the Lord your God, they're not going to know what you're talking about and they're not going to care about it. They're like, why would I do that? Well, because the Bible says so. That's not going to mean anything to them. Well, you, well you're a sinner. That's not going to mean anything to them. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Praise the Lord. It's God's goodness and his salvation, the life-saving uh, 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 faith that he gives us. The just shall live by faith. It's not something else. It's not some other ideas. They shouldn't live by their doctrine. They're not going to live by, it's, they're going to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And the Bible even goes so far with that statement that it says if anyone who is living by faith draws back, they draw back to perdition, to a place of being unsaved, a place of not having salvation. What can that mean? Well, it can mean a lot of things. But you can know this. Number one, there's going to be no unbelievers in heaven. So even if someone claimed to be a believer and they end up being an unbeliever, they're probably not going to be in heaven because there's no such thing as an unbeliever in heaven. You can't be. It's impossible. Why? Because only through belief do you get into heaven. It's by the grace of God, the ability to do so, but you have to believe in that grace in order to get there. It doesn't just happen. If it did just happen, then we wouldn't even need to do this. We wouldn't need to reach anybody. Get saved, go to heaven. But that's not the way that it works. And see, we have to understand the way that the principles of God works. Everything with God works by faith. Hebrews 11 gives us, is the great faith chapter. And it goes from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament telling all these people that by faith did this, and faith did this, and faith received this, and faith got this. It's faith that gets us there. It's only faith that gets us to God. The grace of God doesn't even get us to God. Some people don't like that. But I'm going to explain it. Why? Because Jesus' grace, the grace that he paid for, the grace that we all walk in, that we love, by grace you are saved through faith. By grace you are saved through faith. The grace is there. There's enough grace in the entire world to save every man, woman, and child without hesitation. But not everybody walks in it. 
Because God's grace is accessed by something. It's accessed by faith. We only get into God's grace through faith. Amen. And so if we don't have any faith, we can't get to the grace. God's grace does not just get us to heaven. God's grace got me up out of bed this morning. Amen. God's grace puts me to bed some nights, every night. God's grace enables me to take my breath and to breathe and to, and to act and to do things and to go through this life. God's grace brings me to Corey every single week that I come anyways and the weeks that I don't. It brought somebody. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's grace brought you here. But it was only accessed by faith. You only partake of God's grace through faith. And faith without works is dead. And so if there's no action to your faith, there's no grace to be had. There's no grace there. I know a man. This man has every ability to live for God. And yet he just chooses not to because he refuses to access the grace. Is he saved? Well, I mean, I, I, I suspect that he is. But by his life, you wouldn't know it. Christians, we shouldn't be living lives that don't exhibit God's grace. We are light on a hill. We are salt to the earth. All these examples Jesus gave us, what does that mean? If the salt loses its flavor, it's worthless. It's good to be for nothing but to be trampled underfoot. Jesus said that. If the salt loses its flavor, the salt can lose its own flavor. If you're the salt, you can lose your own flavor. That's what religion does to people. Religion gets people stale. I just I go to church because it's the thing I do. No, you gotta reach out for something. You gotta employ your faith. You gotta use your faith for something. You gotta stir it up on the inside of you. In fact, Timothy was told to stir up the gift of God which is on the inside of him that was imparted to him through the laying on of uh, Paul's hands. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Without faith, it is impossible. Impossible impossible to please God. Standing before the throne of God is about pleasing Him. He was pleased, the Bible says, for Jesus to be smited, smoted, smooted, smitted. I don't know. To have Him struck down, it pleased God. Why did it please God? Because He loved to abuse His Son? It had nothing to do with that. Because of the thing that comes out of that smiting. That thing that came out of Jesus being uh, smote, hallelujah, was us. That's God's grace. It pleased him to do so. It took faith for Jesus to go to the cross. He couldn't do it without faith. He showed us how to live by faith. He gave example after example after example. He said, after with faith you'll move mountains. Faith of a mustard seed, you'll move a great mountain. Praise the Lord. How many mountains do you see Christians moving? And why do you suppose that it happens? Is it just that we stand before the mountain and we have enough to say, hey, you move and I believe it. That's not what it is. It's to continue through when it doesn't move yet. It's to keep pressing through when, it's, when it seems to be getting bigger, not smaller. When everything is coming against you, it's pushing through to the thing that you know. If you don't have that expectation, if you don't hold on to that hope, there's nothing for you out there. The only thing that's for you is what you came from. And if what you came from wasn't good, then what you got ahead isn't good. So you need to hold on to something that's bigger. You need to hold on to something that's better. Hallelujah. 
And how do you hold on? By your faith, your, your, your hopeful expectation of the Lord. That he will come through, that he will do it. Why do we praise? Because we, even when it doesn't feel like it. I'm just going to tell you perfect songs today, Bob. Perfect songs tonight. Why? Because the first thing I have to deal with when I get here is a furnace that's not working. The first thing I got to deal with. And it's a frustration to me. Because I shouldn't have to come preach and also do a furnace too. It shouldn't be the, that's not the job of the pastor to make sure everybody's lives and everything's taken care of before I come preach. That's not what I'm here to do. But that's sometimes what you have to do. And faith does what it has to do. And so that's why we show up. Amen. Well, you might say, well, pastor, that's a shame. Well, praise the Lord. Make sure that we don't have a furnace that quits then. I mean, that's, how, how could I do that? Have enough faith. Say, God, it's not right that we come in and this thing is broken. It's not right that we come in and this thing isn't working. It's not right that we're not reaching people, so start reaching people. It's not right that the church isn't growing, so start, not that the church isn't growing, I'm just saying in general, praise the Lord, because I do believe the church is growing. It's not growing what some people think should, but I think it's growing exactly the way it needs to. Amen? And I'm not at all moved by that. Amen? Because I'll do it if there's nobody here. If God wants me to do it, I'll ask him every week. But if I show up every week and I'm the only person here preaching to myself, even if my family stops going, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm not saying it'll be easy, but I'm going to keep going. Why? Because faith is going to push through to the thing because it has to. Hallelujah. The furnace is working in here tonight. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> where I don't even know where I was. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, this is the principle. For with the heart, a person believes resulting in righteousness... So belief is resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. The confession is the salvation. The belief is the righteousness. The confession is salvation. This is what faith is. Faith is not just, oh, I believe this, and then do nothing about it. That's foolishness. Faith without works is dead. It's dead. There's no basis for it. There's no, there's no grounding for it. Faith without works is not faith at all. You have to put, you say, well, maybe you say, well, I, I don't have much, well, I'm not doing much. There's not much works with my faith. Find something. Find something. Find something you can stir yourself up on. Do something. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I love what Dr. Dufresne, and most of you probably, or a lot of you don't know what, who Dr. Dufresne was. He was, a, uh, he was a man of God that used to come to our churches. Um, he died in a plane crash uh, about eight, nine years ago, something like that. And uh, it, it, was, it was kind of a tragic thing, a real tragic thing. But uh, he, he had a lot of really, he was a very spiritual man, really awesome man of God. Uh, and was like a great grandfather to me in the faith, and so just a precious man of God to me. But at any rate, he um, he used to talk about the mountain moving in front of you. He said, maybe you can't move the whole mountain all at once. But he said, if you take a shovel and a wheelbarrow, inch by inch, sure as a cinch, that mountain will move. And see, that's that's the principle. There's a lot of times people people look at the amount that they can't do, and they stay wrapped up in what they can't do. I'm not talking about giving here. 
I'm not talking about what, I'm just talking about living a life of faith. We look into our own lives and see what we can't or what's impossible for us. God says, I want to do great things for you, but it's never going to activate unless you activate it. In other words, the mountain is not going to move until you stick the first shovel in. You know, people say, well, I'm, I'm waiting for God to, I'm waiting for God to get, bring me the right job, but they never go looking for it. I'm waiting for God to bring me the right house or the right spouse, but they never go looking for it. I'm waiting for God to do this or to do that, but they never do anything for it. Jesus would have never walked on water had he not stepped into the water. The, the Red Sea would have never split had Moses not put the staff in. Notice it didn't split. He was, he was standing there. And God said, put your staff in the water. That's how it split. The Jordan River would have never split without faith. Without faith, none of these things of the past would have ever happened. And faith was always attached to their actions. What do you have enough faith for? Whatever you need to do. Whatever you will put action to. Whatever you don't put action to is what you don't have faith for. And your choice on whether or not you're going to have faith for it is whether or not you will have enough faith for it. You know, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Um, praise God. Turn... No, we're going to go to John, because that's, that's where I, I was telling you we were going to go to. John 8, 31, 32. Are we? Let me see. Let me just double check. Head to John 8, 31, 32, and I might, might sidetrack you, but we'll see. Yeah, praise God. No, actually, go to Romans 12. Maybe we'll get to John, maybe we won't, I don't know. Praise the Lord. Romans 12, this is something I was studying out this week. I've been studying out quite a bit, and, and, and I just want to share it with you because I, I saw some things in it. Um, of course, we are well familiar with Romans 12, 2, Romans 12, 1, but we're going to read them anyways to keep this in context. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. What is that? That's an action. You present it. You can't present your body a living sacrifice if you don't present it. And so you have to do something to do that. <clears throat> present your body a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you've got to think differently, right? So that you may prove what the will of God is. Notice you prove out the will of God through allowing your thought processes to be changed into something else. Glory to God. The only way, if you want to know the will of God, the only way to do it is to be transformed. You cannot prove out God's will living the way you always lived. You can't do it. And, you know, uh, I'm a person who has suffered from depression in my life. It's it, debilitating at times. Um, made me suicidal. I've been hospitalized for it early on several times. Of course, it hasn't been that way since then. But depression still tries to get on me all the time. It's nothing that is going to just go away. It's something that's always going to try to raise its head up and get to me. Why? Because that's an avenue the devil has always used effectively to attack me. And each person has some kind of area in their life. Maybe yours isn't depression, but yours is certainly somewhere. And whatever that is, the devil is going to use that. It's not a matter of that it goes away. 
let me listen to what I'm saying. It's not a matter of it going away. It's a matter of you dealing with it correctly. Transforming your mind does not take the trials away from us. It makes us deal with them the way they're supposed to be dealt with. Jesus said in John 16, he said, uh, you will have trials, tribulations in this world, but be of good cheer, I have overcome them. He said, be of good, you're going to have them. So whatever your trial is, don't expect it to just change into something else. It may, it may add to it or whatever. But until you learn how to deal with your trial, it'll never be dealt with. Because you deal, you overcome through what? Faith. Faith without actions is dead. And so if you don't apply faith, if you don't learn how to transform your thinking, and see, I know this, this, this kind of, this line of thinking is even, even right now is putting some heads on tilt a little bit, thinking like, how do I do this? I, I mean, I don't even feel like I can. That's the whole point. You never could, but you've got to have enough faith to trust in God's grace that it will meet up with you when you activate your faith and it will carry you through. And that's the thing you do. How do you get over any trial in life? You get over it through faith. You put action to, to, uh, to the transformation in your mind, and you follow that through to the victory. Amen? Amen. So you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through grace given to me, I say to everyone among, among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. That's a really important thing. But to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, I've heard this preached a lot of ways, and I'm not always subscribing to this, but this is what this is talking about. I'm, I'm, go, I'm, going, to, I'm, I'm going to share with you what uh, my study has, has brought me to the understanding of. This measure of faith is exactly what you need. I said this measure of faith is exactly what you need, and we're going to show it to you here in a minute. How can I say that? You know, so some people think that this, you know, this is, that you've been given a measure and you have to increase that measure. Faith is not a matter of increasing. Faith is something that you either have or you don't. You can have it or you don't have it. Okay? Um, praise the Lord. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That's another way of saying transform your thinking. Faith comes as your thinking is transformed. What you understand is when you, when, when you understand the word of God, you understand what you have, and if you will embrace that, then you can have that. But if you won't embrace that, you will never have that. It's that simple. That's why somebody can sit in church for years and years and years and never have anything change in their lives. The reason it doesn't change is not because the Bible isn't good or the word of God doesn't work. And see, this is what people do. They'll say something about, like, take healing. They'll say, well, well God just must not want to do it then. Why? Because I don't see it. Well, that's just because you're not seeing something doesn't mean God doesn't want to do it. Remember, that's spiritual pride. God does not change. Even though it doesn't sound like pride, that's exactly what it is. That's pride being sneaky. Pride being sneaky is anytime somebody thinks that they know more than the Bible. I said pride being sneaky is whenever somebody thinks they know more than the Bible. It's no different. It is no different than saying it's not true. You don't know more than the Bible. You don't know more than God. And the only way to have what God has is to embrace him and embrace his faith. 
That's why the Bible says to be transformed in your thinking. Because if you're not transformed, you're not going to think his thoughts and you're not going to have his results. God intended you to have results in your life, but results only come through the embracing of the truth. John 8, 31 and 32. We probably should go there at some point. Amen. Amen. But look as it, says, it continues on, and continuing a thought, verse 4, For we, uh, just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. That measure of faith is talking about using the measure of faith as it pertains to the gift that you are in the body. In other words, your measure of faith, it's giving you a free license to be able to activate what God has made you for to be in the body. Am I saying that clearly? God has made it, the measure of faith, he's already put it on the inside of you to be whatever it is he's called you to be. But you have to choose to enter into it. I said, you have to choose to enter into it. You, you know, we, we, we like, and, we, and I know how it is. I mean, I've, I've had hands laid on me many times, and it's a blessing. It helps. There's times when there's impartations through the laying on of hands, and it's changed my life, truly. But do you understand that I can't live by that? I have to live by faith. The Bible doesn't say live by laying on of hands. It doesn't say but live by the preaching of the word. It says live by faith. Faith is built by hearing the word. So you can hear it yourself or you can hear it from somebody else, but hearing the word. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So uh, as we see it here, this is talking about when it talks about the members or, or, or it talks about having uh, a measure of faith, it's talking about what God has already put on the inside of us. But we need to access that. We need to be able to utilize that. But here's the good thing about knowing that there's a measure of faith. It means that there's already a measure there. It's already been measured out for you. Praise God. Have you ever made something with pre-measured ingredients? Makes it real easy, doesn't it? You know, you don't have to figure it out. You know, whenever I make something, I'm constantly, because we never have the right uh, measuring cup clean, right? If you need a quarter cup, you got a two-thirds cup. If you need two-thirds, you got a quarter. It's just the way that it goes. If you need a tablespoon, you got a teaspoon. So I'm constantly asking Siri, whenever I'm making something, uh, Siri, how many tablespoons? Do you know there's four tablespoons in a quarter cup? I know that now. I don't have to ask Siri anymore because I know that. There's three teaspoons in a tablespoon. I know that now. Amen? Now trying to figure out which teaspoon in my, or which spoon in my drawer is a teaspoon, which one's a tablespoon, that's a totally different story because if they're not marked, I'm, I'm just clueless. But pre-measured, when things are pre-measured, when you have, uh, you, you, you add this, you put this, you put that, and what, what is a, the cake mixes for? They've made it dummy-proof. They've supposedly, anyways. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of pre-mixed cakes that weren't good. But uh, it's just because people didn't do things right. You know, it's like it, they got a pre-mixture of flour and whatever else is in there, sugar probably, and you just have to add the wet ingredients typically, right? What is that? And you say, oh, I baked a cake. Oh, that cake was really good. And you didn't, you, you, you took pre-measured ingredients, you put it, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's, it, it's like uh, I don't know, uh, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Yeah, it's like something else. It's like going and buying something. Oh, look what I made, you know. It's like uh, going, well, praise God. Anyways, pre-measured ingredients are really easy. Well, that's what this is. When God's talking about you've been given a measure of faith, or when Paul's talking about we've been given a measure of faith, it means that, he is, that God has put the, pre, the ingredients inside of us 
to be able to access the abilities and the things that he calls us to. So maybe you don't know what you're called to yet. Maybe you just have an inkling and maybe there's some things. Do you know that there's something on the inside of you that calls out to you? You know what it is? It's those pre-measured ingredients saying, mix me up. That's what it is. It's that when you, when, you, when you sense a call, when you sense a, a draw to the things of God or something deeper, and maybe you don't even know what it is, that's those pre-mixed ingredients going, hey, the measure's already there. It wants, a cake wants to be a cake. Amen? That's why they produce cakes. You know, whatever a thing is, it wants to be that thing. And you say, why? Well, it doesn't have a brain and it's thinking that. But you understand that you can make a cake over and over and over again because it wants to be a cake. All those ingredients come together a certain way. My wife doesn't like baking for this reason. Because baking, you have to have little measured ingredients, right? They have to be just so. Otherwise, you can't have sometimes the things that you're getting. And there's some things, if you watch people on, like, Chef TV and stuff like that, and they're making stuff, and, they, you, you know, you have to whip something just enough. My mom was making pie dough. And when she makes pie dough, it's like you can't over-knead it. Uh, you, you know, like, you, you, have to, you have to knead it just so much, otherwise you ruin it. But I never get what that is, you know. I just want to eat it, that's all. And I don't, I don't care if it's raw or, or not. Like, that's the way I want it, amen. Well, praise God. So pre-measured ingredients. So I hope that helps you. Turn with me to uh, John 8, 31, 32. Because there was some things I was studying out here. I know we've been there. We know it. We talk about it every week. Uh, <clears throat> praise the Lord. But that doesn't mean there's not more we can get out of it. And this is what I was seeing as I was studying this out. Again, we're talking about faith. So, Jesus, uh, do we want to start there? Uh, uh, two, 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 two. Yeah. Let's start in 29, verse 29, John 8, 29. It says, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. How did Jesus know that? He knew it by faith. I mean, the presence of God showed up in his life. But you know, there's a lot of times where you don't feel like uh, the presence of God is there, don't you? Isn't there a lot of times you're feeling, well, where, where'd God go? You know what I mean? Sometimes you're thinking, well, I, I thought he was with me. He's never left me nor forsaken me. He hasn't. But sometimes you have to hold on to that by faith. What do you do? You start talking to yourself. I talk to myself a lot. Amen. As a Christian, you want to be an effective Christian? You better start talking to yourself. Talking to God, but talking to yourself too. Why? Because you're going to have to stir yourself up. You have to tell yourself, listen, you have dumb thoughts that come into your head all the time, although you might not instantly recognize it as a dumb thought, just a thought, and you embrace it, you start to embrace it, and you don't like the way that feels. The way that feels, that not feeling good, is your first indication that that's a place that you need to get away from. I don't like this thought. See, this is the whole thing with the whole trick of depression is to get you to dwell on thoughts. Our brother Joel here is a counselor. Tell me if the people that you've counseled if you're not dealing with their thoughts all the time. I mean, am I, am I lying? I mean, if, I, if you can correct me, I don't feel like every day. Dealing with their thoughts. And has there any, ever been time as a counselor that you've ever had the thought go through your head? Oh, here we go again. The same thing. Why? Because every counselor, I think of God sits in heaven looking down at us going, 
Here we go again. Now he probably doesn't do that. He loves us, and you know, and that's not that Joel doesn't love his people, and I, I, you know, but that that's what you contend with. That's what you, you know. There's a. That's why we need a local church. That's why we need this teaching. That's why we need this encouragement because that's what it is. That's what exhortation is. A counselor is a is an a, an exhorter. There's someone who is going to help somebody. A lot of times, uh, I, and, and one of the reasons I know this is because I went through a serious amount of counseling in my life. I spent a lot of money on counseling, amen? Because the amount of counseling I went to, even the insurance company said, okay, we're done, amen? And so somebody had to pay for it, and it was me. And, and so, you, you know, I, I've been through a serious amount of that, but I, I know what it is. Back in the office dealing with the same things, and we're trying to get over a hurdle that we can't get over, and it's just that constant, amen? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Uh, but Jesus knew this, and we have to know it. And that faith, embracing that faith and saying, I'm going to run with this faith. I'm going to run with this idea. And so you, when you start feeling the way you, that you don't like, maybe something has happened to you. Maybe something really stressful has happened. This is why I love the praise song. I was starting to say that. Uh, I will sing praise. I will lift my voice. I will sing praise. I've made my choice. It's all scriptural principles in that song. That's why I love that song so much. But as I was sitting there, I was flustered because I came in and I didn't want to deal with the furnace first thing. I wanted to go sit in the office and talk to Reverend Josh and, 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 and you know, uh, sit by my tea and, and, and look over my notes and just get that one last bit before I had to come out here. You know what I mean? But that's not what happened. So as I came in here, I came in here a little bit, you know, flustered. A little bit like, you know, and you may have seen it even in announcements a little bit because I'm, I'm just like, we're going to skip past all the normal stuff. We're just going to thank God it was just a family group here tonight. We're going to skip past all the normal stuff and we're just going to get into, you know, the basics, what I got to say. And I did it matter of factly and then I said I got back down. But as soon as we started to get in into that, that was the space. That was the place because I made a choice. I could have stood there the entire time embracing the, the, the stress, the, how are we going to do this, how is this going to happen. You think those things don't weigh on a pastor? Of course they do. Whenever there's something new, amen, whenever there's something new that raises up, and the devil will always make sure there's something new that raises up. But guess why? Guess what? See, I have a choice. I know that if, if we had to do that today, that there's not enough money to do that, to replace that. I know that. I have a choice to look at that and say, well, maybe, maybe that'll be a thing. And I don't say that to put anything on anyone else, because here's the truth. God has to supply for his church. He wants to do, do, do it through us, and he wants to utilize us. And, you know, but if we choose not to, then we choose not to. You know, we choose not to be blessed, too. But um, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that those kinds of things happen in our life. We, we have things that rise up all the time. And, it, and the only thing that's going to overcome is the faith. It's the trust. It's the belief. It's the knowledge that God has not left you even when it feels like he has. And sometimes God pulls uh, the feeling of his presence away from you just enough so that, you're okay, that you learn to be okay with that. Because he wants you to trust him. If you truly trust God, you know he's never far and then there's never really a problem. In fact, I just just be honest with you. I just had a whole bunch of problems in my heart as I said those words, flutter away. Because God is there. He's here. He's with me everywhere I go. It doesn't matter where I go. He's always with me. You know, I, I, I have a concealed carry permit. Um, if you don't, you don't believe in it, well, I'm sorry, that's, that's your thing. I, 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 I 
perfectly fine with it. I think it's a good thing to do. I carry uh, a, a, a licensed firearm with me most places I go. Amen? Um, but sometimes there's places that you can't. And if you want to be legal, and I always want to be legal, um, I, I choose not to. Um, uh, I mean, choose not to do something illegal is what I'm saying. And so I, I like to be legal, so I generally stay in the legal realm. If you go to New York City, you can't carry a firearm there. And New York City is always a place that you want one. You know, it just is, especially in a time like this. You're like, well, if I'm going to go there. My wife, uh, my, uh, you know, my wife, my daughter, and I just went down to Philly, and the same thing I can carry in Philly, and I think I can anyways. And so, uh, you, know, you know, I'm not going to say I did. I'm just going to say I think I can, So, in just in case, you know. We don't know who's going to watch. But at any rate, uh, you know, you, you, you carry most places. But there was, a, there was a time when, all, when the Lord started dealing with me. He's like, I want you to leave it home. I want you to leave it home. Why? Because I got depending on it too much. Because I, 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 it started being my security. There's nothing wrong with carrying it, but that firearm is not my security. What's my security is him. My security is his leading. My security is his angels. I have to trust those things. Now, Jesus didn't rebuke the, 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 the disciples carried swords. He didn't rebuke them for that. Um, and just as it's not, not wrong for anyone to carry it. But my point is, is when those other things become your security, God will make you like separate from them for a little while because you know what God he's a jealous God he doesn't want anything to be your security you know if it's going to be your job that's going to be your security I'm just telling you if you don't want to try all your job don't make it your security because it will be that's exactly what happens in lives it, it will be required because God will have us have no idols above him anything we exalt above God in our lives is an idol anything that we exalt above God is an idol Amen? He wanted me to get to John 8, 31, 32, because we still ain't got there yet. Uh, he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Now that's, or as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. That's important to note. And so it goes on in verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those who believed, says those Jews, but it just said, as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Right? So as Jesus spoke these things to those who had believed, who had come to believe. Is there anyone here who has come to believe in God? Amen. Amen. Every one of you. I know it, even if you didn't really raise your hand. I know it. I know it because I see it. I've talked to you. I've talked to every one of you. I know you're believers. You've come to believe. But you notice here, we're going to get into something really interesting. And this is, again, why I love this version of the scripture. Jesus was saying uh, to those who had believed, if, if is a word that is very important to us. If means if. If means that there's a possibility of not. Or opposite. Or the possibility of what I'm about to say to be different. Right? That's what if means. If is a question mark. If is up to you. If is your decision. If is your works with your faith. Proving your faith. And Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. What does it mean to continue in a word? To just continue to read it? No. To continue to do it. If you continue in the things that I've taught you. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I said? You can't call Jesus Lord not doing what he says. He said it himself you can't. 
Jesus said, how, how can you call me Lord uh, and not do the things that I've told you to do? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What is he saying? If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth of the word, as we embrace it, is where our freedom lies. So think about the thing that you're going through right now. Think about the thing that you're, you're, you're struggling with right now. Think about the, the mountain that you just can't overcome. If you continue in my truth, you will be free. But if you do not, you're going to look at that mountain perpetually. That mountain is never going to move. That mountain will be there tomorrow. One thing that you can be sure of, because you know what? Continuing in the word is moving forward. <clears throat> we are not those who draw back to perdition. I think that's in Hebrews, and this is where we're going to end it here. So I didn't even get into my message at all. How do you like that, preaching a different message? I mean, how would you like that, to stand in front of people and say, I'm going to preach a whole message, and I don't even know what it's going to be? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 37. If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, then you're truly my disciples. That should waken us up too, because the whole point of that is, or we should wake us up too, I should say. Uh, the whole point of that is, what, 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 what are we supposed to be? Are we not supposed to be disciples of Christ? That's exactly what we're called to, right? Yeah. Disciple is a, a student, somebody who's learned from them. That's what we're called to do. He said, if you continue, you're my disciples. Not because you were once there. Not because you once came to church. Dece this is one of the biggest deceptions in the church world today. Is that because somebody prayed a prayer once, that that just covers them for all eternity. Jesus said, if you continue. Continue. If you continue. That means you could spend 60 years going in a certain direction. And then just decide to not continue anymore. How horrible would that be? How much loss would that be? I, I, it's just, it's unbelievable. At any rate. Uh, well, let's start in verse 35. Therefore, uh, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. What has great reward? Your confidence. Your hopeful expectation. Your confidence that what God said is truth and I'm not moving from it. That's what's in you. That's, your, that, that's what has great reward. Is it saying, well, well, maybe if I pray enough, may, maybe if I say, Lord, if it be in your will, don't ever pray that prayer. It's a stupid prayer for a, pray, a Christian to pray. Jesus did not pray that prayer because he was wondering what God's will was. Jesus prayed that prayer because he wanted God's will to change. And then he corrected it, praise God, because he knew God's will wasn't going to change. Amen. He knew what he had to do. He didn't want to do what he had to do. So he said, if, if, if it's your will, if your will can change this, but it wasn't, don't ever say, Lord, if it be your will, know what his will is. Didn't we just read that? That you may prove what his, his, what his will is, good and acceptable and perfect. You want to prove what it is? Christians, you should know what God's will is. 
I said, you should know. He gave you his Holy Spirit so you'd know his will. He gave you his word so he'd know his will. He came here, walked this earth, had, had a bunch of people write it down four times, in fact. Write down different views of what he did when he was on this earth. He had prophets thousands of years before prophesy what, was going, what he was going to do. He came and fulfilled it. And then he had people continuing to speak about it afterwards. And they haven't stopped. 2,000 years later, here I stand in Cory, Pennsylvania, telling you what Jesus did. We know what God's will is because we have it written. If we don't, it's because we're foolish and we don't look at it. Embrace his will. Amen. <clears throat> Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, Lord, if it be your will, if it be your will, if it be your will, stop praying that. I don't know why I'm on that, but stop praying it. Amen? Know his will. After you've done the will of God, see, Here's the whole thing. You know, I love it. Brother Hagin always said it this way. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And that's truth. You can't have faith what you can't have, uh, what you can't know. You can't have faith what you don't know what's going to happen. Like you say, I, I have pretty, pretty solid faith that you're not going to punch me in the face. Right? That you could pretty much know that. But you can't just walk up to anyone on the street and expect that they're not going to. Right? You can have pretty solid faith that you could say something mean to me and I'm not going to knock you out. But you go out to, go into some, go into Walmart after church and go walk up to somebody uh, and tell them, you know, you just start, you know, cuss them out or something like that and see what it gets you. You know what I mean? You can't have any faith that they're not going to respond in kind. So you need to know what the will of God is so you can have something to have faith in. Because if you can't, like the very nature, we are the people of faith. That's who we are. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So don't we want to, who wants to please God? I want to please God. Praise the Lord. I believe you all do too. You'd be stupid to be a Christian not wanting to please God. Like, it would be foolish, right? So we have to know what his will is in order to please him. Because we have to know what his will is before we can have faith to know what his will is. You know, that's why so many Christians, I got, I got so many rabbit trails here. That's why so many Christians, they just go, they pass, they just, they, they're just going here, they're trying this, they're doing that. They don't know God's will. They've never taken the time to truly figure out what God's will is. They're just bebopping around life, trying to do whatever they feel like doing and trying to put the stamp of God on it. But it's not. They've never really truly sought it out. Amen? Amen. Um, praise God. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. That's faith. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And actually, if you look at that where it says it in the original language, I can't remember exactly what scripture it's in. It's either like Habakkuk or Zechariah or something like that. You can look it up where this is. It says, my righteous one shall live by his faith. Amen? And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. <clears throat> you know that word live there, when it says my, uh, my righteous one shall live by faith, it means literally means endless in the kingdom of God. I say if you research that word, that's what that live is. Endless in the kingdom. Our life starts the day we start having faith, and it never ends. When we pass on someday, if, we, if Jesus tarries and we don't, you know, we pass on, we transition into another place. It's endless. Our life doesn't die. 
That's why Christians, we have to start looking at death and life a lot differently. It would help us get through this a lot, a lot better. Amen. But we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. God has called us to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. We are not those who shrink back to destruction. Some versions say perdition. It's that same idea of being lost. Do you realize that you can live as a Christian like you're lost? And I, I, would, I would say that there's many Christians who do that. They live as a Christian. They live as a redeemed one like they're lost. What does that say about God? We shouldn't live like that. We need to live in the freedom that Christ has given us, the freedom to know, the freedom to have, to have confidence. Christians have confidence. When you look at your mountain, know that it has to move. Speak to it. Speak to God. Remind him of the things that he's promised you. Remind him of the things that are truth. Remind him of what you know. And if you don't know, get into the word and find out more. Amen. I know more today than I did a year ago, and the reason I do is because I continually study God's word, because I continually listen for the word of God. And if you do so, the same thing will happen to you. You'll continue to know God more, and his will five years from now will be more clear to you than it was five years ago. Amen? And that's what God is trying to get us to. Without faith, it's impossible to please him.